Welcome. This is Carl Diffenderfer from Higher Impact, and we are a business coaching organization, and this is our business breakthrough radio. And our goal of this is to help you as a business owner really go to the next level, to maximize yourself, to go to, to have top performance in everything you do. And so we've selected people from all over the world that are going to talk through different topics that we run into as business owners. Today, we have a great topic to discuss, a friend of mine named Chris Giddings, and we're going to talk about networking and how to maximize that inside of our business. I've been a master networker for many years, but I really recently realized something that I think you guys are going to find very valuable today. Now, I also want to share that if you're a business owner and you find yourself at a spot where you feel stuck about something, I'd be happy to meet with you just to talk through that. Actually, it could be me or one of my coaches. We're here to serve. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to serve you. From that, we'd love to build trust with you. And if we can ever help you process through something that you're stuck with, then maybe you can get some value from that and introduce us to somebody that is, uh, is somebody that we can help on a long-term basis. Just being real, I know everybody's like, you get you, you, how do I say this? You, we do something to get something. And yes, I'm doing this to get something. But the intention is, how can I help you? So as we process through things together on this call and in the future, in our different uh, episodes in the future, I challenge you to think about what is the biggest thing, the biggest challenge that's holding me back right now. So let's dive into things here. And we're going to have Chris join us. Okay, Chris, you there? I am. Good to be with you, Carl. Welcome, welcome. So today we're going to be talking about something and you kind of like, <laughs> we recently were talking about this and our topic today is networking and how we maximize our time with networking. Now you seem to be like, Carl, I got this figured out and I wasn't that confident, but it was like, Carl, we should talk about this. But I'm first going to start. Do you mind if I start with me just sharing a little backstory of my networking background? Um, that be okay. okay. So Networking to me is the opportunity to get in front of a person. It's a form of marketing, actually, to get in front of a person, to build a relationship, and from there, decipher if you can help them in their business or if they can help you in your business. I've been a part of many BNI groups and PRE and all these different groups over the years and very valuable. Met a lot of great people, still am friends with a lot of those people. As time has gone by, I've come to realize that the people that I need to meet aren't always in those rooms. And so I've had to ascertain, okay, is this the right fit for me right now? I recently just left the BNI group that I was part of for five years. I've been part of BNI over 10 years now. And it was a big decision. It was hard. A lot of friends there, a lot of business came through that group. I'll, I'll never forget my first year in BNI. I got $40,000 in revenue. Great year. It was good. But what I realized, so through COVID, um, I don't know about the rest of you, but when COVID hit, I said, all right, I'm going to 10X things. I'm going to ensure that I don't have a downturn like some other people may experience through COVID. And so I, I started doing meetings left and right. And I started networking in groups like yours, Chris. And what happened through that was a lot of meetings and a lot of meetings. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, I need to find a way to move these meetings into meaningful results for them and for me. So in my studies, I found that some people like to look at it this way. They want to have a, what's called a fair value exchange. I want to do this for you to help you. And I'd like you to do this for me to help me. And the fair value exchange is a great idea, but executing it is pretty hard to do. 
And so I had all these meetings. I think it might've generated two clients. I, I did 500 meetings the COVID year, 500 meetings with people I'd never met before on top of my normal meetings that I do. So you can imagine it was like back to back. And my wife's like, you're crazy. And well, I did it. Met a lot of great people though. And that's one of the things about networking. You get to meet a lot of cool people and you get to have relationships. Okay, so now I've set the stage. Chris, how would you say I need to reevaluate my paradigm to shift into a new spot? I think it all comes down to resource management. It's part of your business holistically. You have okay. a limited amount of financial resources. You have a limited amount of time. And one mm -hmm. thing that we really don't speak about a lot is you have a limited amount of energy. Yeah. So oftentimes you find people say, I don't have enough time. I say I don't have enough time. The reality is I don't have enough energy because yep. I could make more time. There gets to a, you, you hit a wall. You get to a yep. point where you're working so hard, trying to do so much that you begin dropping things and you begin getting exhausted to begin becoming less efficient. So thinking about those as your three bars of which you have a certain currency, it's unique to you. Every person has different facets to how they manage the energy and time and the quirks in terms of what works best for them. But you want to be thinking always within, you know, if I'm going to take this meeting with a new person, if I'm going to be introduced to a new individual, how is that going to affect the amount of time I have, the amount of energy that I have, the financial you know, resources I'm going to have access to? And to being a good networker is maximizing the impact of what you do on those three categories. And not only is it better for you, it's better for the people that you meet. Because right. being a good networking partner means making an investment in the people that you come across and say you want to collaborate with. So when you manage your time effectively, when you manage your energy effectively, that means you're able to better make introductions for the person that you get introduced to, be a resource to them, as well as being able to accept their help. Yeah. And so there's a couple of points to touch on inside of there. Uh, yes, I agree. I'm going to ask you this question uh, on the fly here. What actually creates wealth? There's so many ways to answer that. What well, that sounds smart. <laughs> <laughs> I think wealth is the wrong optimization. It's, it's life satisfaction. I, I agree 100% um, with that. But if we're yeah, talking about some people would call wealth. that wealth. Yeah. Okay. So, so monetary wealth. Yep. What creates monetary wealth? It is really its value extraction that mm -hmm. is oftentimes can be sourced from value creation. So, uh, Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in that book, he talks about the cash flow quadrant. And one of the quadrants talks about making money work for you. Now, what I've found though is it's not what you make, it's actually what you save that creates wealth. It's your margin. That's the same in business too. You can't run a business with more money. You can't spend more money than you make, but the same is true of our time and our energy. If we don't have margins in our time, if we don't have margins in our energy, we're always going to feel depleted because we're going to be living at 100% and that 100% always requires 120%. There's no margin. And so you're spot on. I agree with you 100%. But part of this too is not just how much you're meeting, but who you're meeting with too, right? Yeah. Talk to me about that. The answer to that particular question is very different depending on who you are. And I think there's it's easy to sometimes say, here is a blanket statement for what people need to know when it comes to meeting people. Mm -hmm. I think that oftentimes leads people down the wrong path because something that works for one person is not going to be right for another. Right. I'm in an industry where anybody I meet could be someone I end up working with because I am mm -hmm. a professional that is involved in helping people build relationships. And anyone, no matter who you are, is going to need to build relationships. So that's someone I can work with. So mm -hmm. the way that I'm going to approach networking is going to be different from someone who installs garage doors. <laughs> because right. not everyone needs a garage door installed, right? Correct. But they might be networking too, because they want to meet people who are going to know people who are purchasing a new home and need to install a garage door. So I would go a little bit farther and say, 
when you network, it almost always starts with you meeting a person. You, everyone has that first person they met who introduces them to the the, the hidden web or world of networking, right? Yeah. This like shadow world where all yeah. these people from all walks of life and all places know each other and are connected across the country and yeah. sometimes across the world. When you start, so you get that first person who starts introducing you to other people. And all of a sudden, you've met maybe 10, 15, 20 people who do all kinds of different things, may or may not have any relevance to you. Mm -hmm. I think it is okay and healthy to go through that process of initially building up a group of connections that you know who are just good connectors and good people. You get to a point in that journey. It's almost like the entrepreneur's journey where you start your business and there's a dip and then there's things that improve and there's like different steps along the way you need to account for different things. There comes a point when you're a networker universally where that wave of networking grows and grows and grows because if each person you meet introduces you to two more people, yep. you can. it's an exponential function. Yep. You get to a point where the networking process becomes really overwhelming. Exactly. And once networking is controlling your life rather than you controlling your life, it's preventing you from being a good networker and a good partner to people. The first step of networking, of course, is meeting people. Mm -hmm. The second step is really identifying who might represent a good partner to you. Because right. not every person you meet is going to be someone you're going to match with on a personality level, on a professional level, on a strategic level. You want to be conscious of, one, the kind of introductions you're asking for. Uh, but two, picking out the people you meet and identifying in your meetings with them, hey, like it's almost like a job interview. <laughs> is yeah. this person, and don't ask like, oh, are you going to drive me business, right? Try yeah. to get a sense of them as a person yeah. and identify, hey, is this someone I'm passionate about collaborating with? And, and that's really the big question. And when you say yes or no to that, that determines the way you invest in that relationship going forward. I so agree. This actually brings me to one yep. thing I really wanted to share, mm -hmm. which is the importance of having a personal CRM. Many people think of a CRM as something that's really just for sales. Mm -hmm. I have a pipeline and I put people in it and I move them along the path and then I have a deal closed at the end. Or and then there's like a customer relationship management pipeline as well. There should also be a process that you use, a tool that you use that allows you to keep track of all the people you're meeting because that process will quickly come overwhelming. And with each person you meet, again, if you're going to be a good resource to them, you want to collect key important information on who they are, what they do and how you can help them that you yep. have on hand <laughs> that you can use to maintain a relationship. You want to get their address and their birthday if you can. Don't mm -hmm. do it in a weird way. But uh, if it comes up naturally, get it, right? These are, <laughs> these are things you can use to maintain a touch process going yep. forward. People like birthday cards. They really do. Mm -hmm. It's something oftentimes in the world of business and especially sales, you always want to be the places other people aren't. And sometimes it means looking back to old traditions that are dying out and embracing them. Now that people are not using snail mail anymore, snail mail is an amazing way to add an extra touch point to relationships for people. Not who are especially going to generate sales, but it, it does no. create talking about touch points. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I have one friend who sends a card to every person they meet after they, they have a networking meeting, like a personal handwritten card. I'm just thanking them for the call. And it's again, it's not she's the only one I know who does it. But it's a way that you differentiate yourself. And yeah. every person's going to have a different thing that's going to be that thing for them. When you meet a person, you want to you know, almost have a, a checklist on your second monitor of what you want to get through in your conversation mm. to keep yourself focused. And yeah. do you want to, you know, one of the questions you want to ask yourself, either on the call or when you get off, is how often do I want to stay in touch with this person? Is this a relationship that I want to maintain where I'm checking with this person twice a year, once every three months, once every month, once every other week, once every week, right? Hopefully not more than that. Yeah. <laughs> the You want to set a cadence. And there are tools that can actually help you keep track of your relationships to maintain networking cadences. 
to check in with people and see how they're doing and, and see how you can support them and remind them that you exist. And there is one tool that I love called okay. UpHabit. It's a okay. phone app for Apple, Apple and Android. A friend of mine wrote it in retirement, actually. So he like built, he built several companies in his career and in retirement, he just couldn't stop. So he's okay. like, all right, I want to build this personal CRM. And it's free app. It's a free tool. And what I love about it is it lets you essentially set a cadence for each person you put in that it says, how often should I check in with this person? And then okay. when you open the app, you actually see a list of all the people who you're due to check in with. And then mm. that could be a LinkedIn message. It could be an email, could be a call, whatever it is that you can use to just say hello. You swipe them away. And then two weeks or a month or two months later, they'll show back up and then they'll be on your list of people to check in with again. Oh, wow. Right? That's cool. I'm so, excited to check it out. Yeah. So that's an example of something that, again, outsources a lot of the work of trying to keep track of relationships because tracking relationships is ultimately the downfall of networking. You yeah, start going I around agree. and meeting tons and tons and tons of people and you forget them. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if you write notes on all those meetings, as long as you trust yourself to make good judgment when you first meet a person around how often you want to stay in touch with them. And oftentimes it is pretty evident early, you know, who you want to meet, who you want to maintain a relationship yeah. with. Setting a cadence is a great way to ensure that you're actually maintaining the relationship. And yeah. that extends personally as well as professionally. If you are using certain tools to maintain professional relationships, there's another jump you should make. I know this is a little bit off topic to say, why aren't I doing this with my family, right? Mm. Why aren't I doing this with my personal friends from college and high school who want to maintain a relationship? You know that if you don't check in with that friend from college every six months or every year, you're going to lose contact because they're going to yeah. move and they're going to forget to tell you where they moved or that their phone number changed and you're not going right. to be able to find them again. So include that in your personal CRM. It's all part of your life. It's important to separate work and your personal life. It's also important to stay organized across both of those places and to be intentional, right? It's intentionality. It's all intentionality. So now the one thing that's coming to my mind here, there's a couple of things throughout what you just said that I want to maybe build on top of, or at least say, hey, this is spot on. The first one is, I think that part of networking is we need to limit the amount of meetings that we actually do have each week. So what I was doing was just giving people free spots whenever they wanted. And then I was finding that my whole week was just full of meeting with people from networking. Yep. You can't do that. So you got to define, okay, am I going to do four meetings a week? How long are they going to be? They're going to be half an hour. And then set up your Calendly to give them that block. This is when I meet. And that's okay. And if that doesn't meet, yeah, you, that doesn't work. Sure, find another time. But limit the amount you have each week so that you're actually controlling your calendar and your calendar is in controlling you. The next thing is, this famous author said, you need to be interested and interesting on networking calls. In other words, you need to care about the person and say, okay, you know, what, what's, what, what's going on in your world? How can I help you? What, tell me some great stories about yourself. Um, but then the interesting part is you need to cause them to say, oh, wow, I can't remember that guy. He did X uh, on our call. Like I noticed a guy on a call the other week, he had, a, has, had his guitar out. He's like strumming away on his guitar. That's great. I, um, I find people find it interesting when I say that I'm a classical pianist. They're like, oh, wow, I don't know. I'm a classical pianist. Who cares? But to, they, to them, they do. And then the other thing too is you need to align your values. You know, you need to say, okay, are we on the same track as human beings, not saying that you need to agree with their political point of view or their religious point of view or anything like that. I'm saying more so how you handle your business has to be in alignment. Otherwise, there's no point in you guys trying to do business together or help each other. Is, there, is that all that good? You're probably on board with all that, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. You have something to add or can I take us into another conversation? I was realizing like we need 
four episodes to get through everything we want to cover here. But it's like, well, it's have to cut a lot out and it is what it is. Uh, maybe we need to do more. It. All right. So one of the things that I realized probably about 10 years ago now was that my people that I was networking with need to actually be getting into the pain of my customer. And so my ideal person that I should be networking with should be able to have the trust of the customer and they should be talking about whatever it is that pain is that I can fix, but they can't fix that pain. So what that does then is it sets up this referral partner to look very successful. For example, financial advisors. Okay, so I'm a business coach. I go in and I help business owners on the day-to-day -day of their business, run their business to the maximum. Financial planner A comes in and he's like, hey, you know, I can help you with your financial planning in the business. And he does a vision casting, dreaming session with them. And that vision casting, that dreaming, they talk about all their pains inside their business. And so then what happens is the financial advisor says, I know somebody that can help you. You need to talk to Carl. In that, they go and talk to Carl. In that, they actually go then and they, they say, hey, go talk to Carl. Carl can fix this problem for you. So I go and talk to that person. I start to fix the problem. I make them more money. They're wildly successful. And what do they do? Well, now they have investment money to go back to their financial planner. It's a win for everybody. So Chris, what are your thoughts on finding the right people for your networking? I think it's something that's going to be a little bit intuitive to each person. And again, different for every industry. But one thing that I'll share yep. is it's important to train your partners. So you want to clearly identify who your partners are. I kind of think of it like an onion, which is you've got your core inner circle of people who they know they're in your core inner circle of people and you have yep. a partnership with. There are people who you know and like outside of that circle who you want to maintain relationships with. And then they're just people you know on the outer rung. Mm -hmm. And yep. the, the, the way you might have several more rungs, depending on who you are, what you want to do is your process. That's a simple model to follow. When you, you know, find someone you want to partner with, um, it's a two-way relationship. And it has to be buying from both sides. It's like dating, right? Mm -hmm. So you approach someone and you essentially say, hey, I really want to work closely with you to support each other in our businesses. I really value you and what you do for these different reasons and you as a person for these different reasons. And here's how I see us potentially working together. You set the rules of engagement. You also want to actually train each other in how to make really effective referrals. And one process, and again, this is not my original idea, but one that I really love is once you and that person agree like, hey, I want to do this, you set up a meeting on one another's calendars. So they set a meeting on your calendar, you set a meeting on their calendar. And the meeting that they set up on your calendar is a meeting for you to pitch them on your service as if you were pitching anybody to give them mm -hmm. the full you know deal of what that pitch would look like yeah. and likewise when you sit on their call for them to give you the full rundown as well so yep. it's you taking all the time you need to fully immerse yourself and understand that other person's business you're mm -hmm. not actually trying to sell each other but you're trying to right. give each other the full experience of knowing how this process works and this actually came to me from a financial advisor friend Financial advisors have a challenging process because they have to be so careful with what they put in writing. And so yeah. they have to do everything through group management, through relationships, through talking. Yep. And this is, this they have a complex sale. It's why do I use this financial advisor versus another? There are a yeah. lot of nuances to what makes a financial advisor an effective resource or someone you want to refer to someone else. So this is especially effective for people in that industry when they make their partnerships to say, hey, here's the process I want to go through with you so that we both thoroughly understand each other and can effectively support one another. And when they buy into that process and they say yes, and they don't have to, again, allow them the opportunity to say, I, I don't want to commit to this, right? Because that's healthy. 
Um, you only yeah. want partners that are bought in and there might be really good reasons why it's not gonna be the right fit for them. But once you go through that process with somebody, that's where you really begin building a strong referral relationship. Um, it's an investment, but a relationship's an investment. Yeah. And it's a strategic investment. And there's a reason why you invited that person to go through that process with you. It's because you really believe that this could work. Yeah, I do that already uh, in the sense of uh, I find that it's great for me to do a complimentary coaching session with any of my referral partners just so they get a feel for it. And we got to do one ourselves here, Chris, sometime. After that, they're like, wow, okay, this is amazing. And they're more inclined to actually refer me to people then. And I, I agree 100% with that. All right, what's next? This is yeah. a good conversation. Oh, I, I do have more. So I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I have a very strong case to make that okay. anybody who networks needs a personal monthly newsletter. I make a really okay. strong case for this. Mm -hmm. And many people will say, well, I already have a newsletter, Chris. Or I hate newsletters. I get so many of them. Why would I want to make one and contribute to the clutter? You as a person have a brand that is distinct from the brand of your company, even if you are a solopreneur. And it needs nurtured in the same way that your professional brand needs nurtured. Generally speaking, when someone makes a deal with you in the B2B world, they're making a deal with you because they trust you with mm -hmm. the project, not right. because they trust the company or any of its features or products. They know that you are going to get this done right for them, that you understand their needs. Right. That's your personal brand at play. Your partners, or at least the way I like to network, there are very effective processes for transactional networking. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you'll see those played out most in the financial world, in real estate and in the financial sector. There are also really great ways of building relationships that are really based on a, a investment you have in one another's success that is emotional. And sometimes people are afraid to allow that part of their life to exist here, but I think it's a valuable piece. I am only going to take on someone as a partner when I'm really excited about them and their business and their personality and all facets of who they are as a person. And what their cause is, like what they, what drives them to do what they do. Their mission. That, that's yeah. so important. Yes. Like um, I have a friend that has a hot sauce company yeah. and with every bottle of hot sauce that he sells, um, he's able to donate a meal to a local food bank in his area. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's selling, it's selling food to fight food insecurity. That's super cool. Yeah. And that's just one aspect of that person that I really appreciate. I also appreciate them on a personal level and on a networking level. And so, you know, just like you're hiring, you need somebody to have a variety of talents. They need to be organized. They need to be punctual. They need to be talented, creative, good team players, right? Whatever it is, you need the whole package. If there's right. a component that's missing, it doesn't matter how good everything else is. But you, you find that person and you say, hey, if this is someone I'm really invested in, who I want to maintain as a close partner, I would like a monthly update from them on how they're doing over email because okay. that is a lot simpler than me having to get on a call with them every single month or every single two weeks. That's not realistic. Mm -hmm. You have a job beyond just yeah. meeting people. So if networking is only a small part of your job, you want an easy process to maintain relationships parasocially rather than always just through calls or through direct messages. And a newsletter is a great way to provide a personal update to all of your partners at once. What about a video? all of your partners do the same to you. That can be part of your newsletter. Right. Sure. Like you say, you yeah. record the video and put it in there. Do you think yeah. it's important to have video over text or maybe both? Or what do you think? Because some people are going to read, you know, at 2 a.m. in the morning when they're looking at their email. If, if frankly is a personal choice, I don't think it's going to impact the results very much. It really comes back down to your style and what's okay. going to be easiest for you to get the newsletter out. So if mm -hmm. you're more natural over video and that's just the way you like to communicate, record a video and use a tool like Loom or Boom Boom to send yeah. out your, your emails. Otherwise, right. 
But um, the personal newsletter, I believe, can, in, includes a few components like that. that are really key to helping yeah. your partners maintain a relationship with you. And again, for also you just keep track of the people you know, because yeah. this isn't really just going out to your partners, it's going out to everybody. The, Family. the three components. Family as well. Yeah, that's right. But the first component I feel is important is a personal life update. Just a one mm -hmm. paragraph on how you're doing, something you're looking forward to in your life, a hobby you've taken up, something completely unrelated to work. Mm -hmm. And this is something that's very difficult for some people to do. But you can kind of think of it like a short Christmas card. People, yeah. your, your partners mm -hmm. genuinely want to know how you're doing. Just right. as you want to know how they're doing, again, without you having to have a call every month just to check in. Right. And the reality is, you know, I have a psych background. People feel like they're staying in touch with you when they're being kept in the loop on things that are going on in your world, even mm -hmm. if you don't get to talk. So take that opportunity, share that. That's you nurturing and develop your, your personal brand. From there, you want your newsletter to have a central value-added component, which is an article or a video or some piece of content you put together that is couched in your professional expertise as a professional, but is universally interesting or useful information. And the examples that might apply are going to be different from for every single person in what industry they're in. Like, let's say you're a plumber. You might go, what am I going to talk about? It's going to be interesting to people couched in my professional expertise as a plumber. Well, you could talk about how fountains work and the different type of fountains and the plumbing involved in creating fountains or, you know, how the world's biggest fountain works. There are um, water parks in Germany that the old elites used to make in, in Victorian times that were like these crazy, crazy water parks with the extremely elaborate plumbing that still exists today that you can visit. You could write a story about that, right? So universally entertaining, couch in your professional expertise or to say, you know, three steps every person should take when they clog their toilet. We all right. do it. Nobody talks about it. Here's what you need to know before you call a plumber, right? Yep. Or here, right. here, should you consider installing one of those food mixing machines under your sink that like, you know, where like some people have drains where they collect food particles and then toss them away into their trash can and other people just let the food go down the drain and there's like a little machine that like orders it all up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what are the pluses and minuses of either of those methods of dealing with food waste in your sink? Before again, you have to call me because you have a clock. <laughs> this is all information anybody would want to know, anyone would be entertained by, anyone would benefit from, that is couched in your expertise. And this allows people to refer you more effectively, not just your or your core circle of partners, but other people you know too, because you're going to get referrals from everywhere regardless, not just from your core partners. And you want someone referring you, you know, Joe the plumber, um, as, you know, the guy who I keep learning new and interesting things from all the time, who taught me that I should not be using one of those food mixing machines under my sink because it doesn't actually, it, it causes problems to the city water supply and you should really meet him. That's a much stronger introduction than just saying you should meet Joe, he's a cool guy. And that's what a personal newsletter allows you to do. It allows you to educate your audience on how to refer you more effectively and also helps them understand what you do better so that they can identify situations where you might have business. That's awesome. Why isn't everyone doing this? I, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do it. It's That's a great concept and idea. And I've always you know, I, I know so many people, but it's like, how do you keep in front of them? Not, not to like, just try to sell them, but more so just be present. And I think yeah. that's what it's all about. It's, it's about relationship and there's no reason I can't share about what's going on in my world. It's a great idea. I like it. There's something I hear a lot, which is people saying that they met a friend, an old networking friend. And the friend says, Hey, I had this opportunity for you last week and I didn't think of you. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't believe that. this. That would have been perfect. I can't believe right. I didn't refer you that opportunity. A monthly newsletter is that right cadence to make sure that never happens because yeah. it's just enough to keep you top of people's minds to the point where they're not going to forget about you when those yeah. things pop up.
I like that a lot. So what's next? I'm enjoying this. Well, I know you have a whole big list there. Oh, I do. I do. Well, there's, there's more to the newsletter component because I'm not done. And there are, there are oh, two okay. other components that are really important. There's a third <laughs> component to the newsletter, which is a call to action. It is okay. okay for part of your newsletter to be an ad, just not the whole thing. And when yep. people hate newsletters, they hate them because the entire newsletter is an ad. It's like junk yeah. mail. Nobody wants the junk mail. The third component of your newsletter is you making a very specific, easy to follow ask of your audience. Mm -hmm. That could be, hey, this article that's here in the newsletter, I also posted it on LinkedIn. Could you please comment on the LinkedIn post? Let me know what you thought of the article. That's why to get a lot of engagement on your LinkedIn post. It could be, I'm trying to figure out a topic for next month, and I'd be interested in the questions you might have about plumbing. Can you please email me back with a question you might have? Or it could even be, I'm trying to meet people in the water treatment space because I have synergies with them. If you know anyone in the water treatment world, can you please refer me? So you're I'll not asking more them examples. for business. You're asking them for yes, things a simple, outside of that sphere. easy to follow ask. Yeah. The reason why this is so important is when people do something small that helps you, they become more invested in your success. When mm. I refer somebody who I've met, I'm like, oh, you need to meet this other person. The act of me putting in a little bit of effort to support them makes me care about them more. This is another mm. psychology thing. And yeah, even I though I'm aware of that technique, it's still, I still feel it. Yeah. And I just let it be. I'm like, hey, I do like this person more because I'm helping them. You know right. what? I'm going to own it. Um, <laughs> don't be a, like, you need to do it. There's always an ask you can make. Even if you can't think of anything that you actually need, make yep. the ask. Engage your community. The last and most important piece of this whole newsletter thing okay. is to not just take your whole list of people you've ever met off of HubSpot and add them to your newsletter. It is to use a mail merge tool. And there are free ones out there to message each person individually saying, yes. hey, Sam, I'm you know, starting a personal monthly update that's gonna, where I'm going to be sharing information about you know, what I've learned from my 20 years in plumbing and some personal updates on my life. I would be really interested in including you. Is there an email that you'd prefer? That's the, you can steal that. You send that out to every person you've ever met. And what you're doing is you're giving them agency. You're allowing them to make the choice. Do I want to be part of this journey with this person or not? It's okay. kind of like a more informal version of forming a partnership, but yep. it's, it's one, one dimensional or mm -hmm. one, one directional. And what you'll find is a surprising number of people, maybe roughly 60 to 90% of the people you send that to are going to reply back saying, yes, I'd love to receive the updates. Here's my preferred email. And okay. when they do that, when they make that choice, the engagement rises fivefold versus if wow. you didn't take this step. So okay. that's, that's email open rates. That's people actually reading your article. That's people actually doing the call to action because okay. they decided for themselves they wanted to be in this journey for you. They're looking out for your email in their inbox. They're looking forward to reading it. And okay. it's such a huge difference. So it's not even about the ethics of emailing. It's about your audience having the opportunity to make the choice to be engaged with you. And yeah, I've also found too, I, I've seen a couple of even politicians that will send out a quick email that says, hey, I'm working on keeping my database up to date. Here's my most recent vCard. Can you take a moment to send me your contact information just to, to make sure I'm up to date? And then the people that don't respond, you know that they're really not engaged. Uh, exactly. Similar concept, just a different way to do it. Yep. I like yeah. that. So the bar you want to set for your newsletter, because this is really important, okay. is it's not good enough until somebody in your network approaches you out of the blue, unprompted, and says, you know, Jerry, or you know, Sheila, I wanted to let you know that every single time I receive a newsletter, it brightens my day. I always look forward to reading. And okay. until somebody says that, your newsletter is not good enough. Okay. So keep working on it to make it really more personable, more interesting until it gets to that state.
It's okay. a very interesting bar. You'll know when it happens because this is meant to be a high quality thing. And it is effortful, but you know what? It's once a month and it is so much less effort versus what it returns than mm -hmm. almost anything you could possibly do. As long as you're someone who does a decent amount of networking. Because if you've you know, met five people and you have five people in your newsletter, maybe not. But if you have over 100, that's a point where it becomes worth um, using this to keep you know, track of your relationships or rather to build a community around yourself. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press into this for a moment to seek mm -hmm. your consult to me, but also I think for the listeners too. How do we know what is too much content and what is too little content? You mean I'm, like within I'm, a newsletter? As, yeah, in the newsletter. So I've been thinking here like, Boy, I mean, I'm writing blog posts every month. Uh, I'm doing podcasts like this. Mm -hmm. I almost yeah. feel like the newsletter should be like, here's my personal update. Here's a blog on how to do networking. Here's a, and just really kind of giving them a choice, um, a, a buffet of this is what I want to read about or, or watch if it's a video or whatever. I'm almost even going to the level of a digital magazine format where it's like the page turn and, oh, you want to read this article, go ahead. Or you want to watch this video, go ahead. Would you go to that level or not? The reality is most people don't have podcasts. Most people yeah. don't have blogs. Most people don't yeah. have these other things. So this is a little bit situational. The reason I phrase that whole process the way I do is this is something that would work for every person. But mm -hmm. then you get into, well, if I'm doing an interesting podcast every month, if I'm putting out another interesting piece of content every month, couldn't I use that instead? Because that would save me time. And that's content I'm yeah. proud of that I think my audience would engage with. The answer is yes. You can absolutely do that. You can absolutely swap that in or add it as another piece. Beyond the template, which you don't even really need to use, the most important takeaway here is ask your network before adding them to your newsletter to get them bought in and wait for people to begin replying to you saying how much they love your newsletter. And everything else can be changed. So as long as there are people who really appreciate it and always want to be a part of it and value it, that's when you know you're doing a good job. And okay. uh, I think absolutely you can include your newsletter. Uh, you can, I'm sorry, you can include your podcast. You can include your, your blog updates. The thing that makes the newsletter cool is it can be the point where you, in, you, you create the original piece of content that then becomes your blog post. So yeah. you use the newsletter to hold yourself accountable to create original content. Mm -hmm. You build up an, a library of content. And then that's also part of your social media strategy. So yeah. just like I was talking about before, uh, hey, go on LinkedIn and, and comment on the article there. You can either take the entire article and begin posting it, it formatted differently for every platform, or you can actually take it apart and create yeah. sub pieces of your article and turn those yeah. into different posts. This should yeah. be the cornerstone of your social media strategy. Block quotes one thing are that, a great way to go. Yeah. One thing that many networkers struggle with is it's like, hey, social media can be a huge time suck. It's just really tough to keep up with, right? That's mm -hmm. one of the things that they'll share. It's true, right? They're absolutely right. Package it all together. You maximize your impact by you know, creating one thing that serves multiple purposes. You may create the content for your newsletter and then you know, repackage it to go everywhere else. And then you're done. You don't need yep. to be posting several times a week. You can post once a week, take your monthly newsletter, put it into four pieces and put those out. Or you could do something different. But the point is, at a bare minimum, I really want to take people who are doing nothing and help them do something in a way that's not going to take over their lives or feel like unapproachable. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I yeah, you're you're spot on so far. This is good. All right, what do you got next? I had a feeling you're going to say that. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going. When you've got partners, and oftentimes to become again emotionally invested in your partner's success, mm -hmm. and 
you try to support the back in a few ways. You try to make them referrals. You try to help them meet people who you'd like them to meet. You try to give them professional advice. You workshop your businesses together. You might send them a gift in appreciation mm -hmm. for something that they've done for you. You might send them a holiday gift. One thing that people really don't think about doing is recommendations on LinkedIn. And okay. you might say, well, Chris, wait a second. I have recommendations on LinkedIn. I've given other people recommendations we're talking about. Most recommendations that are given are given because a person asked for them or because someone gave you a recommendation and you wanted to give them back as well, right? Mm -hmm. So they're always prompted by something. There was a, a time a few months ago, all of the ideas I share, well, the newsletter is my idea, but almost everything else is someone else's. <laughs> I just repackaged because people do brilliant things. I'm the aggregator, right? To help okay. other people take advantage yeah. of that knowledge. Somebody randomly who I know out of the blue, who I hadn't talked to recently, left me a really, really thoughtful LinkedIn recommendation. And it made my day. I know it's never going to translate to business for me. It's not like someone's going to read you know, my profile and then see this one quote and they go, oh my gosh, I got to use Chris now. But it was just something where that person essentially wrote me a message, more so than a recommendation saying, here's why I value Chris. He you know, helped me with these different things. He's, he's really smart in these areas. He's genuine and caring. And it was really a statement that she was almost addressing to me, saying what I meant to her. This is such an easy thing for you to do that will have a major, major impact on your network. Letting everyone know what you think about them and how much you care about them publicly. Because when you say it out mm -hmm. into the world, it kind of hits differently. Take two hours someday in the next few weeks and set them aside on your schedule. And they are your two hours to go through as many people in your network who you care for as possible and to randomly leave them a thoughtful recommendation that lets them know what they mean to you. And that okay. will be one of the most impactful two hours you've ever spent and one of the most productive two hours you've ever spent because mm. that can hit harder than sending someone a hundred dollar gift basket or oh, yeah. anything else you could possibly do for them. Sometimes even more so than a referral. So it's something again, everyone should be doing and nobody's thinking about. So when you say recommendation, you're talking about the, uh, it's almost like a review at the bottom of their LinkedIn page. Um, also just as a sub note for those of you that haven't done that before, um, it actually, at the end, asks them to do the same for you. It's all automated inside of LinkedIn, from what I gather, at least. You probably will get recommendations in return as well then, which is very nice. It could happen. And yeah. another thing is when you give someone a recommendation, LinkedIn will not add it to their profile until they've approved it. So right. you'll never get a recommendation that's a bad review because all reviews go through you. Yep. But one of the side effects of this is it ensures that the message you put out for somebody, they see. Next time they log into LinkedIn, LinkedIn is going to make sure they see this and like, is it okay if we post this? Is it okay if we post this? They're going to see a recommendation. So it's not yeah. like when you leave a, a Google review and you don't even know if the business of Caesar appreciates yeah. what you wrote for them. They're right. going to see it. They're going to know and they're going to appreciate it. And it, it's best when it comes out of nowhere. Don't do it because you had a call yesterday. Do it systematically for everybody at a random time they wouldn't expect. I agree. That's all great stuff, Chris. This has been awesome. It sounds like you have more. So, but I do think we need to start to wrap up for the sake of our future Absolutely. conversations today with other people. But I guess let's close with what would be your final parting word in this conversation? And let me also ask you, are you, uh, should we plan on doing another one of these part two? If you're down, I'm down. Absolutely. I'm always down. Yeah. This has been um, a great conversation. I learned yeah, some good stuff wonderful. and hopefully you, you seem smart enough that I didn't teach anything new, but that's okay. <laughs> you're uh, you're a smart cookie. I'm excited to continue to get to know you. So what's your, what's your parting word of wisdom? My parting word of wisdom is 
that it's always healthy to sit back occasionally and marvel at how crazy it is that we exist. <laughs> um, and I know this is a completely man. left field. No, it really is. It okay, really, right, really is. Ahead, we don't. And everyone here needs a reminder that you need to go sit on a park bench at some point and just marvel at how incredible life is yep. um, and how special it is and to allow that wonder to guide your day-to-day experience. Hmm. Wonder. That's a great word. It's important for us to wonder because that creates the space for us to dream, but it also creates thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts, which creates contentedness. And I think a lot of us are after peace and contentedness and joy. So yeah, great advice. Okay. Well, Chris, we will meet again here very soon. I appreciate your time today. Awesome. And we'll be uh, having more of these in the future. Keep Keep tuned in. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to everybody soon and take care.